Hey guys, welcome to Raw Reality, a podcast brought to you by myself, Tori Story, and Fit with Lily. We are here to unpack everything health, fitness, lifestyle, and mindset, bringing you lighthearted and deep conversations about our raw reality. Buckle up, bitches. Let's go. <laughs> Hello, guys, and welcome back to the Raw Reality podcast. I am back this week. I am recovered, feeling well. We're all good to go. She's good. She's alive. She's back on the bandwagon <laughs> sorry i what? i'm just gonna explain what's happening today so we are interviewing our first guest um first guest being my boyfriend jackson so he's in the room and he's yeah. just like directing orders at me because he's such a professional at everything and <laughs> i just didn't want to put her too loud because you don't want to be able to you won't hear it in the mic mm. it's, fine, it's fine a lot of trial and error today guys we're figuring it out but first guest yeah. so exciting jackson's on the potty i'm keen for today's episode yes but we will start with our r&r because it's not all about jackson that's that's <laughs> what everyone's here for as well everyone wants to keep updated yeah, with our exactly. lives that's the most important part of this whole episode um considering i did a massive update last week you can go first because i don't have too much yeah okay so obviously last weekend i got food poisoning that was probably like my biggest r&r for this week i was feeling all good to go saturday had zamberos now don't ask me what went through my mind for getting zambies instead of gyg that was my first mistake yep. so honestly did i just you did hear it to what myself i said in point. the last episode <laughs> yeah i did <laughs> that actually made me laugh out loud <laughs> um yeah, so that was my own fault. But as soon as I finished it, I was like, nah, Lily, I, I don't feel well. Um, Kind of went to bed within an hour. Sorry if you don't like vomit, but I'm about to mention it multiple times. So just <laughs> tune out for a sec. I vomited straight away. And every hour from then on until 9am the next morning, I vomited. And it was like, oh my God, it was horrible. And I would just wake up like, you know, when your mouth starts to sl- salivate and I was like nah gotta go and Mm. oh it was not okay but the funny thing was that was like that night the next day so the Sunday it wasn't actually like my stomach that was like the problem it was my legs and my glutes yeah I was I started crying in in the afternoon because I was like my legs are so sore like well your body is literally in fight or flight it's just trying to like survive so yeah I just had the biggest muscle aches and body aches yeah I um I searched it because I was like what is happening to me maybe it's not food poisoning maybe I have a viral bug but in like when you have food poisoning your body or your muscles release a certain chemical to fight it and it like mm. causes your muscles to be inflamed so that was like the worst part and also of it. when you're vomiting like you're tensing like your whole body so then you're exactly like, when I vomit because I like <laughs> I'm a loud and like intense vomiter so my body like spasms <laughs> Yeah, literally, it's horrible. Like, you wake up the next morning so, so sore. So, that was that. Then Monday, I kind of, like, made sure I was resting again. I didn't go to the gym, even though I wanted to. But I didn't. I was like, you know what? I need another rest day because my body didn't consume barely anything but Vegemite toast the day before. I have zero Mm. energy. So, I give my body a whole extra day to recover. And then now, I feel like I'm pretty much back to normal. I can hold food down like my and I don't have stomach flare-ups like I'm a little bit still bloated and inflamed but overall Mm. I would say I'm a lot better thank god yeah so that was that love that yeah how's your week been um pretty cruisy my only probably big update is I got my period yesterday which oh yeah um and it was so weird because like I was sitting in the car and it just like all of a sudden I was like, oh, bit of like cramps. And then I was like, oh, it's in my back too, which is like, that is my period pain. I knew. Yeah. And then I messaged you. I was like, oh, I think my period's coming. Literally got home, went yeah. to the toilet, 
there she was. So and I was, was like, there. oh, that was like, that's the first time I've ever like yeah. known that it was like coming. Um, Did you slow down this week? Like you have well, been, hey. Yes and no. Like I've actually, I've had more sleep ins. Like I've been getting up at six instead of five. And yeah. I've done two yoga, one Pilates, but I've still done like my weight sessions as well. So I've done three. I've got my yeah. fourth today. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think maybe just, yeah, like slowing my mind down, doing yoga. Hate yeah. to say it, but I think my mum well, was right. Paid off. We'll take it. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> we we'll will take, take it. it. Yeah. But other than that, yeah. um, pretty cruisy. Yeah. yeah. Obviously nothing else has happened. Um, I had a bit of a funny story. I just want to tell everyone that happened to me at the start of the week. <laughs> so I needed moisturizer. We've ran out of moisturizer. Skin's really dry here. Doing a lot of ocean swims. Needed like a big bottle, right? At the front of like the supermarket, there's always like sales going on. Saw like this big bottle of, I thought, was moisturizer. And I was like, oh, perfect. Half price. Grabbed it, whatever. Went home. It was passion fruit flavored. And I haven't really seen like a moisturizer that's passion fruit flavored. So I was like so excited for that. Pumped it, put it on my legs. I was like, oh, bit of a funny consistency, whatever. I just carried on with my day because I was like a bit strange, but whatever. That night I got out of the shower again, started lathering my body in what I thought this was moisturizer. And I was like, and I was a little bit wet at this point because I kind of still got out of the shower and I'm lazy to completely dry myself. And it started like bubbling and I was like, oh, wait a second. Looked at the bottle. It was soap. It was body wash soap. And I had like been the whole day with like soap stuck to my legs, That's like gross. dried up. And oh my God. And then I had to get back in the shower and wash it all off. So now I still don't have moisturizer. I just have two bottles of soap instead. So well, at least you stocked up on great. soap, but now you need to go get yourself some moisturizer. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> literally so i was like oh my gosh so anyways if you go shopping next time read the label honestly and can you dry yourself and get out of the shower oh my yeah that's probably geordie always says that to me he's like you're still dripping why are you getting changed i'm like i just i can't can't do that i have to be fully dry really no like i like do a good dry right but it's like the top of my shoulders maybe moist when you put your clothes on (laughs) <laughs> like I'm not dripping, but like there's like a few aspects that maybe a little spit touchy touch and go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyways. That was good. That was speedy. That was our quickest R and R we've ever done. That was. That was. Are we good? All right. Do you wanna give a bit of an intro to Jackson the Edwards? Yes. So Jackson, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Jackson if you don't know like he's my boyfriend obviously but I feel like that's that's all they know that's all you guys know him as is my boyfriend but you're about to get a whole lot more deep with Jackson and your connection with him but I am just going to leave the intro to yourself so could you just give us a little bit about yourself where you've come from I guess what you've done and for those of you who only know you as my boyfriend Sweet. So grew up in Adelaide my whole life. Um, yeah, went to a private private school, primary school, then went to public, which was a little bit more footy based, which I definitely enjoyed a lot more. Grew up with two younger brothers as well. One of them currently in Perth playing some footy over there. One of them still in Adelaide living at home. Uh, and then obviously got mum and dad. Dad played a fair bit of footy with the Adelaide Crows and then mum was just a wag basically and looked after us kids um, <laughs> and helped us out. But uh, that was, yeah, a bit of a childhood. was very competitive between us brothers and uh, just a lot of my memories were football-based. Um, going to dad's football games, he then went and coached at Port Adelaide Footy Club as well. So 
um, spent a fair bit of time between Adelaide and Port and growing up playing footy, a little bit of tennis, uh, basketball for a little bit there as well, some cricket. Uh, and then the other side of the family, well, mum's side of the family is very sport involved. We've got a cousin that played a little bit of footy in Benjamin and that was also very competitive. So um, yeah, it was it was good fun. Uh, and yeah, here we are now with Tori Story. <laughs> And fit with Lily. That was a very um, brief introduction to your life. Yes. <laughs> but as you can tell, he's super athletic and has been growing up around sport his whole life. He does also have his own podcast, which is The Fearless Footballers. And he's used to like recording and stopping and doing it when it suits him. But we don't stop things here. We just keep rolling. So he's just got to get Can I also just that. say something? Mm. Jackson's setup compared to both of ours right now is like worlds above us. Yeah, well... Like we're holding onto our marks and he's like has this full <laughs> setup right now that looks so professional. I'll just <laughs> we're also... We're going to up our game here. Yeah, literally. I'll also add to that because uh, Jackson is a... I'm not going to say perfectionist, but you do things... I like things professionally yeah, done. That's, I don't that's like doing we'll it half-assed. Yeah. And... <laughs> yeah. Not to say we're doing it half-assed. Our mics well, are still good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> whatever. Okay. I'm not going to have this argument with you on our podcast. So... We're going to start from the beginning, but obviously growing up and being the son of an incredible incredible AFL footballer and you got to experience a childhood that I guess a lot of kids could only dream of. What was that like for you? It, yeah, it was obviously amazing uh, growing up, being surrounded by such quality people, AFL players. I just remember being in the change rooms after the games and spending so much time with all the boys, just the little things like throwing ice at the football players and um, getting tape thrown at you. I know my youngest brother copped it a little bit from Bernie Vince, which he still has nightmares about, which is just those sorts <laughs> of things where you money can't really buy, um, which is, yeah, it's just incredible. So watching dad growing up playing, um, yeah, you wish you could have it all back, but it's not all positive sort of stuff as well, which we'll probably get into. Um, I did struggle with mm-hmm. it through, more throughout the teenage years. Um, but during yeah the young years was was insane I feel like when my mum was coaching in like country footy like that was cool like going in the change rooms but like you could only imagine like AFL the top level yeah being like even just out on the oval like even when Geordie played and I went into the change rooms I was like oh like you just feel cool right you just like feel special and like yeah I I can understand that yeah and doing it like every single week as well and that being your dad like you get to do all these other like extra little things as well that like kids who get their experience sometimes if you win something you get to go down to the change room Mm. but you get like a level above that as well so that's really really cool but literally like kickstart your career and then have that passion also follow along yeah 100 percent all right Let's move into another question here. So moving into like your footy career and everything that started your passion. So obviously your dad like played footy for many, many years professionally. Was that, do you reckon like the um, starter for you that kind of got you into playing footy? Yeah, definitely the Kickstarter. Uh, Obviously just watching him and him being a role model for you and so many other people around you as well. You just want to follow in his footsteps and do everything that he did and more as well. So that was definitely the Kickstarter, but it wasn't the only sport that I felt really passionate for when growing up. 
Uh, I remember tennis was a big part of my life as well. And we had a family friend that played at the highest level and dad played a fair bit of tennis growing up there. Um, so I definitely did have a big passion for tennis. And I remember in year five, I stopped playing um, school footy and wanted to do winter tennis instead, which was um, yeah, right. a little bit different at the time, but it was my number one sport and I just wanted to play tennis. Uh, and then it eventually got to sort of the crossroads of either picking between tennis and footy and it ended up being footy because I was just a little bit more naturally talented, I guess. Um, and then, yeah, the mm. rest is sort of up to your hard work and how far you want to go with it. But definitely being around that environment and being surrounded by so many incredible people, it sparks that passion for AFL. Mm. How old were you? I feel like it's also... Sorry, Sorry. Laura. <laughs> you go. I was going to say, I feel like it's also like a make or break type of situation. Like some people, like I guess my dad was a professional water skier and him being in that and stuff, like he tried to get me into it and all my sisters completely rebelled and were like, no, nope, we're not doing that. Mm. And we went on to our own separate things. Or you start to follow in their own footsteps, pick up their habits and then you make a career out of yourself. Mm. I feel like it really goes either like one or two ways there. Yeah, 100%. Um, how old were you when you went fully just into footy so i remember it come to uh state tennis and state footy it was under 12 so i would have been 11 and i tried out for the state tennis team uh but at that time they did their trials through winter so i obviously played football during winter and i wouldn't really touch a tennis racket until summer came around so halfway through the football season i picked up a racket and started playing and it took a little bit of time to get back into it uh, but got quite far with the tennis side of things and like the state team and was sort of close to getting picked and then i remember an email was going to be sent out as to whether we got picked or not and mum and dad sort of sat me down and said hey would you be disappointed if you made the state tennis team or not because um, they obviously already knew and got the email and i sort of said oh not really like I knew that I didn't put my best foot forward because I'd been playing footy and hadn't touched a tennis racket for quite a few months. So I wouldn't really care too much. And they said, well, okay, you, you've missed out on the state tennis team. And I think that particular moment right there was sort of the signifier for me to go, okay, I'm just going to go more so for footy. Um, I didn't stop tennis then. Mm -hmm. Like I still kept playing until I was about 15, 16 and started to get an injury, which yeah, stopped me from playing tennis. But um, that was sort of, I think, the moment that footy was number one for me. Yeah, so then I guess obviously you moving more into solely football-based and then being drafted to the AFL in 2017 under father-son, what was that like for you, like that moment in being drafted and then your year at the Adelaide Crows? Obviously, being drafted is every kid's dream and that's all I ever wanted to do. Just wanted to play AFL, watch dad growing up in those colours, wanted to play um, in those colours as well. But as I sort of started to get a little bit older throughout my teenage years, I actually wanted to try and test to see if I could go interstate and play um, somewhere else and probably went down the wrong path of doing that a little bit um, in terms of the behind the scenes work. But in terms of getting drafted, it's it's the best feeling and being, being able to do it for a job. Like I'm doing exactly the same thing now, but just not getting paid the same amount and those sorts of things. So it's, it's an incredible feeling, but I wish I sort of spent my time there a little bit differently. Mm, so how was your year there mm. with the Adelaide Crows? 
Um, it was very challenging. Uh, and I think even sort of the lead up to that was very challenging, especially at home. And I sort of started acting out in a few different ways, which definitely wasn't myself. And I think the pressure of having to live up to that name because Adelaide is such a small place and everyone sort of knows everyone. You walk down the street and you see five, 10 people that you know. And um, I think the pressure of that sort of got to me a little bit and being at school and in that environment, you're expected to be this big thing. And um, that definitely sort of hit me. But in terms of my time at the club, it was the club was in a very different space to what I think it was 12 months prior. They'd just come off losing the AFL grand final and I remember one of our first meetings walking into the club and it felt like someone had passed away or something because the vibe and the energy in that room was just like dead and zero and it wasn't that enjoyable. Um, and then we went on a famous preseason camp which turned a few things for the boys and uh, the whole year in itself wasn't that enjoyable. Um, we I played in the reserves in the SNFL and we were getting smashed every game because we had so many injuries and I got injured myself towards the middle part of the season and come back for the last few games. But by then, I think the decision was made that I wasn't going to be there. So, I mean, in terms of having it as a career and as a job, it's the best job in the world. You won't find anything like it. But my time there personally for that year wasn't that enjoyable mm, i just think like i feel sorry i just and, sorry, sorry i'm just gonna quickly say can you please face the phone towards you oh. because i can't hear you i can only hear jackson you can't hear me <laughs> um i can only hear you through the phone because the airpods picking up jackson not oh, you oh yes sorry Dal. yeah but now i can no that's so um, fine i think you would agree with this like being drafted at 17 like that is such a young age and some or a lot of kids who do get drafted into state and it's their first time moving i think it is a lot to take on and it's like you're going straight to the big dogs essentially at such a young age and it would be a lot to take in Mm -hmm. I feel like even from what 17 to now you're 23 the amount that you've learnt and able to give in such a different way is like the biggest difference and it's like I feel like so many kids would either waste the opportunity or just not understand it and not use it to the best of their ability yeah definitely I also feel like there's a lot of expectations and pressures through the club itself like it's very boys orientated and sometimes I also feel like it's hard to like be yourself when you're always trying to live up to like another expectation or do Mm. things to make other people happy and sometimes you lose your own passion through it slightly because you're always trying to impress someone else and it comes down to like you just kind of like aren't there for yourself anymore and that's what I kind of found with Geordie and like the conversations we've had since because also fun fact if you didn't know Mm. my boyfriend and Geordie played together um during like um Adelaide Crows and I actually met Jackson before I met Tori yep so well kind of I didn't like we didn't really meet meet but like I saw him and everything Yeah. (laughs) yeah we knew of each other um so yeah I just feel like there's like that expectation there is insane and I don't think anyone truly understands what it's like Mm. until you go through that and I can't imagine with you Jackson as well in terms of like your dad being on top two that like that would just like tenfold it as well do you want to just give like I guess a bit of backstory on your dad like how many games he played and his achievements so people can understand yeah so dad got drafted at the same age he moved from the country and he ended up playing 321 games over about 16 years at the club 
won a couple premierships, never won a best and fairest or anything, but was pretty close. Uh, I think he finished fourth or fifth in the Brownlow one year as well. So he had quite a successful career. And anyone that plays over 300 games is sort of considered a legend of your club and um, even the AFL as well. So he had a very successful career and um, smashed it as as an athlete, as a person, um, and yeah, had a had a really good time. And touching on that expectation side of things as well, I think when, or speaking to the coach that when I was at the club a couple years later since being delisted, I remember speaking to him and sort of asking what the expectations were of me. And he said that I should be tripping over 30 touches a week. And it's, if you don't know AFL, you probably won't understand that, but that's pretty much an A-grade game every week in the SNFL as an 18-year-old in a team that's losing. And I was definitely underdeveloped. Like, looking back now, I probably shouldn't have been drafted. Like, I was drafted probably off skill and sort of talent, but I was 72 kilos, mentally wasn't ready. Like, that's I what feel I mean, really though. Like, ready now. You're but. so young. Like, you're still learning and developing. It's mm. like, it's so hard to... Like, if I look at you now, I'm like, holy shit. And I obviously didn't know you back then when you were drafted. But it's like, you're almost better off drafting at this age now when you've given them time to learn and develop. Yeah. But then in saying that, you probably wouldn't have learnt what you did if you didn't have that. Yeah. Like, I was still extremely grateful for the opportunity to have learnt so much. But I don't think I should have been drafted until now. Like, I feel really ready now. Mm. But I reckon only... 5% of the players that get drafted now are actually ready to be drafted. The others, it should be either whether it's 20, 21 years old, you get drafted, I don't know. But I definitely, even looking at my brother, like I personally don't think he's ready physically because his body with injuries that he's had at the moment is is just putting extra pressure on his career to perform over the next couple of years. So he gets another contract. Mm, and it's hard. It's yeah. like you go from... I guess like SANFL or VFL, which is obviously that semi-professional, but nothing could probably really prepare you for what you're getting drafted for, essentially. Yeah. It's, it's a, just it's years. Different. It's time in the system. Like physically, Lily would experience the exact same thing with bodybuilding. Your muscles take time to age and mature. And um, you could probably speak on that further, but it's the exact same mm. thing. Like you got to have years in the system pre-season after pre-season for your body to actually be ready to compete with the guys that have been there for five six seven years already um so yeah it yeah. takes some time did you ever like and just lastly speaking on the pressure side of it and like lily just said before i guess was there ever a point where you felt you were just trying to prove yourself and to live up to the standard of your dad and being the eldest son the first one being drafted as well like did you ever feel like there was a point where you weren't really doing it for yourself and it was more for the expectation or trying to prove yourself. Absolutely. I, the number one thing that I remember speaking to our club welfare person about was just being able to get another contract because I didn't want to be one of those players that was at the club for 12 months and then got moved on. And all I wanted to do was play as many games as dad did and do a little bit better because I think that's just the competitive side of things. And coming up in a family that with four boys in the house like you just want to be better than the other and that comes from a little bit of ego but I definitely just wanted to do as much as he did and more and I manifested and attracted in a way getting delisted from the club because I was so caught up in being able to get another contract and so stressed about it that 
and in 12 months time i was walked out the door basically mm. well also imagine like you being in your career right now like let's say you're a paramedic or a policeman or anything and you being like okay if you don't do save this amount of lives this year or if you don't do this you're done your job's over and you've got to mm. find a new career like that is so much pressure to wake up and play every single game to wake up and do every day like it's insane yeah. like i can't imagine feeling like that every single day and that's a thing as well some people can also perform great under pressure but like i just remember the more pressure there is like personally like sometimes i can perform really well under it but it also just adds to like this whole other stress you're thinking about while you're playing actually am i gonna if i kick this goal they're gonna look at me more getting a contract not mm. like okay this is for the team we're gonna win today you know it's just like a whole different ball game there 100 percent. so obviously you spent the 12 months with the crows and then being moved on at the end of the year what was your next move how did you feel obviously being delisted and what was your go-to yeah i was very flat and upset uh i remember walking into the club on the day and me and my cousin got brought in at similar times so we saw each other and um yeah we both sort of broke down crying afterwards and i remember sitting in my car for a bit and uh was pretty numb to it all and just wasn't sure what to think and what to do and then it was probably the next day sort of slept on it i was like i'm gonna move to melbourne um like i was like nah stuff these guys i'm gonna move to melbourne and chase my dream that way and i remember that next day as well messaging a few different people that i knew to get a little part-time job um just to sort of tick me over and literally secured one that night um through a connection from the footy club and two days later because i think i got delisted early in the week and on the thursday i was working had my first sort of trial shift um and then yeah a couple months later i moved to melbourne and wanted to move to melbourne to uh see what i could do over there and like that is literally just like the testament of to who you are like you've literally been moved on from your entire dream and i guess what you've trained for to then go like i feel like in that instance you can either go one way and it's like you give up and that's it or you've done what you've done and taken it and gone well what's the next opportunity what can i do to i guess get back there so obviously you've moved to melbourne Mm -hmm. and what did that look like yeah, so I think I moved to Melbourne December and I sort of secured a job just prior to that, um, again, through another connection, uh, got a job at Adidas. So I was just working part-time there and I had a connection relationship with Mark Williams, who was coaching Werribee at the time, who coached Port Adelaide to their premiership. And I think he was at Richmond for a little bit and now he's at Melbourne. Um, so I had a connection with him through dad and caught up with him for a meeting and he was pretty keen to help me individually and that's what I was looking for in a coach. I just wanted someone that could sit with me during the week, watch vision, just learn about the game, learn about what I can do better to help me get back onto a list. Obviously you do the team thing at the same time, but I wanted that coach slash mentor to help um, get me to the, back to the next level without that being dad and family because it's sort of hard to... Mm have that combination of yes dad's got so much experience and knowledge but at the same time he's a dad he's a parent a father that wants to support at the same time so i wanted someone separate and away from him and got that in choco williams and that sort of didn't pan out the way that i hoped it for Uh, i sort of ended up quitting halfway through the year uh, and going away and focusing on a few other areas of my life well, it wasn't quitting, but it was sort of, 
I don't know, stopping, postponing, whatever you want to call yeah. it. But I just hate that word so yeah. much. <laughs> I knew I was always going to come back, <laughs> so it wasn't quitting. Yeah, but. yeah 100%. It's recognizing that that's not where you needed to be at that point in time. And to get where you wanted to be, you had to put things on pause mm. to move forward and then just get back to it when you had that chance. Yeah. And again, I feel like, you know, obviously you getting your dream taken away from you at such a young age, for you to take that and move on with it and use it as drive and motivation is... I guess one of the best things any athlete can have. And it's like, if you're, if you want it, you will make a way, you will find a way to make it work. Um, Mm. And then, so I guess the second half of the year in Melbourne, you spent building strength, size, what else? Yeah. So the idea of me having six months away from the game and sort of having an eight or 12 to 18 month preseason in a way was to develop areas that, I was lacking and I had a lot of feedback from recruiters and uh, the Adelaide Footy Club as well telling me that I was too slow and uh, needed to put on size and all that. So I worked with a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, When I first moved to Melbourne, I worked with him anyway, but for you to actually gain what you need to out of the time working with him, you sort of need to pull back from footy a little bit because Obviously, you want to feel fresh and ready to go on game day, and that's the most important part of the week. But trying to put on size, get stronger, get faster, do all this training before the week, during the week um, as well is just you can't do it. So I thought the best thing for me, being so underdeveloped, uh, was to sort of take a little step back, work on all these different areas in my strength, putting on weight, getting a little bit quicker, change of direction sort of stuff was my best foot forward to then come into the next season ready to go as a ready-made player rather than sort of battling for a couple years to get my body to where it needs to be and sort of slowly progressing. I wanted to sort of advance that in a way and then uh, go full steam ahead. Mm, love that. Um, I was going to say, so at the end of Melbourne, so you were only there for one year, hey? Yes, yeah, just was 12 it? months, yeah. Yeah, so what was that decision that made you go from back from Melbourne to Adelaide again? Yeah, so me, like nothing against Choco and I love the way he coached and um, the way he got the best out of his players. But uh, I guess I we lost that sort of one-on-one development coaching because I think the club needed his help to get it up to scratch because they weren't quite at the level they needed to be. So he had a lot of behind the scenes work that he needed to do, which is why I sort of stepped away. And then I definitely knew that I probably wasn't going to go back to Werribee with him coaching there. Um, So my next option was either going to be Port Melbourne Football Club because Gary Ayres was coaching there, who sort of saved dad's career back in the day uh, when he was on the verge of getting delisted. Um, or I was going to come back to Adelaide with the Glenelg Football Club uh, because Mark Stone, who was coaching there, he just won a premiership with them. But the biggest thing like, and the biggest driver of, as to why I was going to go back to Adelaide was because throughout the year, he would always sort of send me a message, ask me how I'm going, follow up. And when I first got delisted, he's like, hey, come into the club, we'll watch some vision, I'll help you out. We watched halves and quarters of footy of my games throughout the year just because he wanted to help me. And um, he wondered why I got delisted as well. So he was a big helper in um, giving me some support and guidance as to what I needed to improve on, um, which is why I sort of made my decision at the end of 12 months in Melbourne to go back to Adelaide because he was such a helper. He 
Like I remember him saying he went on his holiday trip to Bali at the end of the year and he was just thinking about me. He's like, nah, we're going to do this together. Like I want to help you get back to the top level. So that was the biggest thing for me as as to why I wanted to go back to Adelaide and play under him. Yeah, 100%. Having a coach, you know, want you to succeed. And I guess in footy it is hard too because you've got a team of 30-odd and having that one-to-one connection can definitely be hard to build when you have such a big team and then you've got players who have been there for years and years and it's like I think for me personally my connection with my coach is what helped me so much in my career as Mm. well and I think trying to find that connection is probably one of the biggest I agree and I think that also comes down to any sport as well a coach will Mm. either make or break your career and make or break your passion for the sport as well and especially in footy as well like they're the head coach is also fighting for their spot as well. They can Mm. lose it after every year as well. So they want their team to do well. So like you said, Tori, it's so important for like them to find that balance between actually caring for an athlete and also caring for the team at the same time. And that can be really freaking hard to come by. Um, Mm. And I know that my like my coaches in cheer really made me fall in love with the sport and like have actually shaped me the person who I am today. And I think coaches have an insane role to really develop a player in like from like a young age to all the way through to like 30 even Mm -hmm. they have such an influence on an athlete 100% so you spent the year in Melbourne you've moved back to Adelaide you spent two more years back in Adelaide at Glenelg or one year at Glenelg and another year two years at Glenelg and a year at West Adelaide Football Club so you spent another three years back in Adelaide just being back home building I guess yourself back up and being back in footy what was, I guess, the highlight in that three years? And then what was the decision around the change moving again to the Queensland, to the Queensland, to the Gold Coast? Yeah, so moving moving back to Adelaide from Melbourne, I loved Melbourne. Like, I learned more about... Really? <laughs> no, I just learned more about myself there than I have ever because sort of it was the first time moving away from home and moving away from my parents, which... Definitely was hard, but I, I'm the very independent person and love my own space and time and doing things my own way. So, um, ha- yeah, just having that time to do that over that 12 months, that was probably the biggest thing I took out of my move to Melbourne. It wasn't really the physical side of things. It was just living life almost. Like I wasn't going out and partying and all that, but just experiencing life in a different way. Uh, that was the biggest thing I took out of it. And then... Coming back to Adelaide, spending three years, um, I, the first 12 months with Glenelg Football Club was pretty good. Like, I was sort of just finding my feet with footy again and um, working my way back into it. Played some okay games here or there and then finished off the year quite strongly. And I just wanted some continuity, which is why I signed with Glenelg again for the, for the next year because I felt like I'd moved from club to club being at... Um, the Adelaide Footy Club, going to Melbourne with Werribee, training with Port Melbourne, and then coming back to Glenelg. Like, it's four different clubs in two or three years. So I just wanted that continuity again to feel like I was a part of the club because when you go to a new club initially, you're just trying to get to know the boys and understand how things work and all that. So I wanted to feel like I fitted in and belonged. And then we had a new coach come on board Um, really late in pre-season for my second year at the Glenelg Footy Club. And um, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, we just didn't really have much of a relationship. And I spent 
well, I got injured again a little bit and um, spent my first part of the year in the reserves and was playing some okay footy, a little bit inconsistent. Um, got my opportunity throughout the year to play league footy, but um, got dropped again. And I knew from there that I was just going to play reserves for the yes for the rest of the year. But in saying that, like that was one of the most enjoyable years because we had an amazing group in the reserves and we won the grand final. And that was definitely the highlight yeah. out of that because no matter where you win a grand final, whether it's local level, amateur, AFL, SNFL, it's, yeah, it's an amazing feeling and it's a bond that you'll have with those boys forever. And mm. yeah, just when that siren goes, it's, it's pretty incredible. So that was that was that sort of journey and I knew like halfway through the year that again I wanted to move to a different club and it might sound like that I'm club hopping but it was more so for my long-term vision like I wanted to get back into the AFL and since I've been delisted it's always been a goal of mine so I knew playing reserves footy that wasn't going to happen uh, which is why I wanted to move clubs and I was tossing up between Perth and um, a club in South Australia uh, purely because I wanted to, a big oval to run on and Glenelg was quite a small oval and I always performed better on big ovals. So it was out of the West Adelaide Footy Club and per, in a club in Perth um, and yeah, ended up choosing Westies um, and loved my time at Westies. Like was unbelievable. Uh, felt, like, felt like I was at home a little bit, um, uh, even though we struggled across the year and only won three games, I think it was in the end. Um, it was a great time, but had a few different opportunities come up to move to Gold Coast. And I thought that was the best decision for me. I think too, like with you saying, you know, people say you're club hopping and whatnot. Like it's one thing to say that you're club hopping, but it's one thing as well to be in your situation where all you want to do is make it to the top. And you've like in that situation, you've honestly just got to do what feels right for you in no matter what you're going through, whether it is like sport or career, like if it feels right for you, then you need to make that move because if you don't you'll always wonder what if and if you're going to stay somewhere for the sake of someone else or a coach or people or whatever it is like you will not regret it but like you'll just always wonder what if or what if I had have done that or made this move or something like that so if you're for you who's chasing that dream like you've just got to continue to follow your heart you know mm. I think <laughs> like back in the back in dad's day a lot of football was around loyalty and he had an opportunity to move into state um to play in Melbourne as well and he felt like he owed it to the club to stay and I totally understand that but these days football is a business as much as it is like for enjoyment mm. and entertainment and it's they're there to make money and that sort of thing so that's why you got to look after yourself and I encourage any young sort of kid out there through my social media, like if you're at a place that is not serving you at the moment and it's not going to get to where you want to go with your end goal, like you have to do what's best for you. And that's sort of what I'm doing. And hopefully kids can sort of follow in a path, which is what I'm trying to preach over my socials. I feel like no matter where you are in life, but like as you get older, you kind of come to a realization that if you want to get somewhere, you actually have to like take action and stop making up all these excuses and waiting. Like some people just wait till it's handed to them or till it comes like, oh, well, I'll just wait another year. It's like, it's not, nothing's going to change if nothing changes. So you have to keep fighting for a position or keep fighting for the change to actually make the overall goal essentially. Yeah. Mm. And in footy, for those of you who don't know, like as we mentioned before, the draft age is 17, 18 
And pretty much once you're past that point, it actually can be very hard to get back into the system unless I guess Mm. you're a gun of a player. And for you, that is your number one overarching goal now. And you've made the move to the Gold Coast. You're now playing with Southport. And I think, you know, you did follow your heart in that decision. And as much as I'd like to say you moved for me, like I know you would have (laughs) done anything to make sure that you get to that goal in your career. And I think you know, again, you've moved to another club where you could build in connections and networking with others. But I think personally, I've seen a change in your, I guess, enjoyment in football. And I think just the lifestyle change and finding like a good connection with boys and a coach. And again, just like finding really good connections to help your game. Yeah, I think pulling back from a little bit of work sort of stuff as well has helped that. I found last year I definitely enjoyed my football a lot more because I could connect with my teammates on a bit of a deeper level. And then coming over here, it forces you, because you don't know anyone, it forces you to get outside your comfort zone and my comfort zone in particular of meeting new people and um, having different experiences. So that's definitely brought that out. Um, But I definitely enjoy my football a lot more. And there's just a different feeling about this year. Like I don't want to speak too soon and I do have big goals and want to achieve them. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But this year definitely feels different taking a big step back from the business, which mum and dad did try to tell me a little while ago like if I do want to make the AFL you do need to step back from the business because it just took off and I put a lot of time and energy into that but now I've taken a step back and focused more on just my training footy is number one priority and if anything sort of stands in the way that it's moved pretty quickly so um, that's yeah I, I definitely do enjoy it a lot more so for those of you who don't know Jackson well is a PT and started um once he moved back from Adelaide and COVID hit, he started doing personal training sessions in the backyard and it just grew and grew and grew. He then moved online and it really took off. And you obviously like you get excited when a business starts to take off and you do have such a passion to help other people just with general health and fitness and then young footballers of the next generation. But when you're in a position that you're in, it's like you've got a like a very good business that is growing or you've got you know a career that needs your full undivided attention and it's like you don't get to have your cake and eat it too and I think your parents did try and tell you that early on but it's something that you had to learn on your own and go right if I'm going to make one of these work I go all in on the business or all in on footy and obviously your business is going to always be there to grow and you're going to even just have so much more knowledge from you know footy and all that moving forward as a coach so I think yeah your best decision was just going all in on your footy. Yeah, absolutely. And from a young age, like I wanted to be a high performance coach at an AFL club. So I remember at 13 years old, like having Darren Burgess, who no one would probably really know, but he's a guru in the AFL scene of strength and conditioning and sort of learning off him and being able to have him as a mentor who's been to Arsenal, Liverpool, so many different AFL clubs, being the strength and conditioning person, like having him as someone, as a mentor is incredible. Um, so then when the opportunity to, Tori's just having a fit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just swallowed my water the wrong hole. Um, when I had like the opportunity to follow that passion that I've had from a young age as well, wanting to open up a gym and, um, all of a sudden all these people wanted to do training sessions and I was doing 60 hour weeks and then I'd get to the end of the week and I'd be absolutely cooked and my performance would reflect that as well. And it just, you can't have, I can't have two big goals 
and execute them to how I want them to be executed because I am an all or nothing person. So everyone's different in that sense, but I'm an all or nothing all or nothing person, which is why I feel like this year is a bit different because I've gone all in with footy. Yeah. And I think that's ah, like, you make a great couple all or nothing for both of you. <laughs> literally. <laughs> but I literally was having this conversation with a client this morning. Like she's working full time, but has this side hustle. And it's like, you have to chip away at your side hustle and do as much mm. as you can until you're ready to take the leap and go full time on that side hustle because you can't work full time and expect this side hustle to just take off when you're putting in, you know, half an hour, an hour a day. Like until you can take that leap and go full time, it's not going to, you're not going to execute it the way you want to until you're able to do that. So it's like, just, I guess you got to pick your battles and figure out, you know, maybe which, like for instance, for you, like your AFL career will only go you know, until a certain age. So whereas your PT business you'll have forever. So it's like, okay, I'm just going to go all in on my footy. I've got my PT business mm. there, but like while I've got this opportunity, you just need to grab it and run with it. Yeah. I feel like I'm um, so random, but like Beck Stewart is another great example for that because she was like full-time mm. last year, chipping away at all the behind the scenes. And then finally she was able to like make that huge jump and now go full-time into like her own like business um so I feel like everyone kind of does that as well until you recognize that sometimes people again like everyone just like waits me like oh well it's my side hustle isn't blowing up I can't quit my job but like that's not what it's about Mm. you have to like persevere before it takes off or choose which way you're going like sometimes it's all or nothing and I I always say it's not it's all about balance but obviously there's a very good time and place for that and sometimes it's just being like really checking in with yourself and saying okay I have to give like I've got a few years left and I have to go all in or else it's not gonna work Mm. and it is a scary thing like for you choosing to go all in in your footy means cutting back on finances and you know living off whatever you're getting from footy and a little bit of coaching not for yourself but you're choosing to make it work and like we are making it work for you to go and achieve your dream and I think regardless if it happens or not you're going to get to the end of this and go I gave fucking everything to this and at the end you'll go I couldn't have done anything more absolutely that's yeah finance financially this year is like it's going to be the worst and year that you i've had, had but like last year was probably your best year yeah it would have been my best year for sure yeah. um being able to generate over six figures in my business was like awesome and an awesome feeling it was like my number one one of my number one goals um but this year i'm like for me to go all in i'm gonna take a big hit and i'm okay with that because one I know everything I'm doing is hopefully going to pay off, but if it doesn't, like I'm just going to pick the business back up. And like, I always think worst case scenario, I can just go get a full-time job on a salary or something, build up a side hustle on the side and then go from there. Like it doesn't, it's not a big step back. I've worked full-time somewhere else before. Like I can do it again just to build up and then see what happens, but it'll, it'll hopefully all, plan out the way that I wanted to it sure mm. will so I was gonna say let's go into like a bit of social media now because I yeah. feel like Jackson gives it his absolute all and if you aren't following him yet on like follow him. all of the above go follow him because it's actually insane the amount of effort he puts into content and it's just like above and beyond and literally how we said at the very start of this podcast that if he's going to do something, he's going to go like all in and do it professionally. And that's exactly what he does. So kind of like take us through a little bit of like how you started your social media page and then how you kind of like grew and progressed from there. 
Yeah, the page that I have now, which is called Jackson Edwards Coaching. So if you want to go follow, follow now. Um, <laughs> Stop the podcast, go and follow, come back. <laughs> it was actually called Empowering Plants. And I started that in Melbourne. Um, and it was just like, I didn't want anyone to know it was me. I just wanted to do it for like vegan sort of food and make it look good and did a little bit of workout stuff, but not much at all. Um, and then probably going even back further than that, I did start a little bit of social media stuff when I was at the Adelaide Footy Club and I don't think they liked it that much, which could have been part of the reason why I sort of got moved on. But that was just around like workouts, motivation, inspiration sort of stuff. And obviously looking back now, it, the post would be cringy as because at the time you don't really know too much um, and you're sort of just finding your feet and learning. But, but you got to start somewhere. you got to start somewhere. Mm. Um, so that sort of started and I copped a fair bit of backlash um, from different people for that. So I sort of stepped away from that. Um, and then, yeah, when going to Melbourne, I was like, okay, I don't want to cop the backlash. So I'll just make it about food and not have my face in the page at all. Um, and then I didn't even tell my family or anything about it. And then when I was back in Adelaide visiting once, mum asked, why are you taking all these photos of food? And I was like, oh, I've got an Instagram <laughs> page and she got shitty at me because I didn't tell her and um, no one could support. <laughs> but um, that's sort of where it all started from. And then I changed the name to ePerformance when I started my personal training business and was just posting about clients and um, nutritional sort of stuff, fitness, like workouts, all that. Um, and then during COVID, I started a TikTok because I lived with a guy that did a little bit of social media in Melbourne and he's called me up and he's like, hey, you got to get on TikTok, just post your workouts, it'll start to take off. So I was like, oh, okay, whatever, I'll try it out. Uh, and then eventually, yeah, it sort of started taking off and one or two videos, bang, 300,000 views. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's not even a good video. Um, so then, yeah, I think it's just been ever progressing and evolving from there, like just trying to refine things and make things a little bit better. And as you get older and wiser, you can give some more valuable information, but that's all sort of where it stemmed from. And yeah, I am an all or nothing person. So trying to make the highest quality content possible is my aim and my goal. On that topic of social media, obviously, you know, as I guess boys love to give each other shit and and all that sort of stuff how have you dealt with I guess the fear of judgment but also the backlash on the footy field and you know obviously the the opponent is that the word (laughs) the opposition (laughs) um you know want to get in your head and and not want you to play so well so obviously they're going to have something to say and like how have you dealt with that backlash I guess yeah, I didn't deal with it great at the time. Definitely at the Crows, I struggled with it. Like there was a few comments flying around and you'd at the time, like I had the app of you could see who was following you and who was not. And I'd have boys from the club like start to unfollow me and that sort of stuff. And I was like, oh, like, do I not fit in here? Like, do they not support me? And then That's they'd so just shit. throw like throwaway lines and things like that. So I was, it definitely did get to me and... um the club did try and get me to sort of stop posting and um, all that, but that didn't help. And then like on the footy field, I every game pretty much you'd get a comment here or there, whether it's um, something about TikTok or Instagram or being an influencer or things like that. But it 
probably once last year it definitely got to me and Tori would know this situation as well where uh, there was just one game where for whatever reason uh, I just copped it from these two guys that I was playing against and they were pretty relentless for a good half of footy and just yelling things out and wrestling and uh, it definitely got to my head and I, I played a really bad game so they did their job really well in trying to get into my head um, but I think I learned a lot from that and I took a bit of action around talking to my psychologist at the time about that, talking to the club psychologist, just because I didn't want that to be able to affect me in that way again. Like I, like they can, everyone's going to say something at different stages, but I want to be able to continue to stay focused on what I want to do and sort of laugh it off and go, yeah, whatever. Um, and just focus on footy. And I couldn't do that at the time. And I think that was a massive learning curve for me. Um, so now I feel like whatever anyone really says, like it just doesn't really matter to me anymore. And at the end of the day, like they're literally just trying to get in your head. So you play shit footy. Mm. And it's like, you know, what we always say is like what someone says about you says enough about themselves. And it's like whether or not that's their insecurity or they're literally just pulling shit from their ass to get you to play a yeah. bad game. Like whatever it's. It's more just about you learning how to deal with it and move forward and continue to play your best footy. And I think it was probably a good thing that it happened at that point for you to learn from that and move forward. Like, because it's, it's going to happen again. It's inevitable. But I think it, like, it did, obviously hasn't stopped you from growing your social media and continuing to do what you do. And I think you will forever do that because you have such a strong, inspiring message to share. It just baffles me that so many people have so much shit to say. Mm, yeah. Like how about Christian Pachakra on Is that how you say his last name on TikTok yeah. I bet he's not getting sh- Actually he probably is getting shit But at the same time it's like a different sort of like I don't know I feel like you got really the back end of it It's so different like for me and you Who have 20 and yeah. like almost 50k followers Like no. we would get nowhere near the amount of backlash Like sure there's room for it But like yeah. Jackson cops so much shit And it's like he's literally out here to inspire and motivate and you're sitting there behind your screen probably eating chips. Yeah, And literally. you just want to sit there and be a keyboard warrior. It's like, oh, get a fucking life. Oh, it blows my mind. I actually, especially like the the boys club when everyone gets around. But like at the end of the day, they all go home. They all go through social media. They go like scroll. They post their own thing. So why does it matter that one person wants to go that little bit above and beyond and like even like not necessarily make a career out of it but I guess it is because it comes back down to like that is part of your personal brand as well and like I just don't Mm. will never understand why people have to be so freaking mean about it Mm. yeah literally how do you feel like you've gone through I guess one the pressure of being the son your career so far and I guess the expectation like how do you or how do you oh my god she can't even speak today how do you intend on moving Don't forward <laughs> on moving forward and continuing to deal with that pressure like what's helped you so far um i think the biggest thing of what's helped me is just realizing that everyone's on their own path everyone's on their own journey at their own time and sort of having trust at letting go like i growing up i was like putting a heap of pressure i was like i've got to be better than luke i got to be better than brody which are my two younger brothers um i got to try and be better than dad and put a heap of pressure and um, anxiety around that but sort of as you get a little bit older you just realize that number one as tori says and lily says on the podcast and through their instagram that everything does happen for a reason and i am a big believer in that it's tattooed um, in my veins. <laughs> <laughs> she got the and ink. Being able to, 
being able to sort of trust that and let that go, I think um, is a big thing. And I kind of feel like everything that I have gone through, going through and will go through is just going to be all a part of the story at the end. And I do truly believe that. And whether football does happen for me or not, I'll be okay with it because number one, I've put everything I can into it. Um, and I'll know the reasons why I haven't been able to get there. But I think it'll just be a part of the journey to inspire and lead and teach the next generation coming through because as social media comes more and more prevalent, like it definitely wasn't accepted back in 2017 to do a daily vlog as an AFL athlete like Christian Prochaka and all the other guys are now. Like I look at them, I'm like, wow. Like if I was literally doing this exact same thing five years ago, but because... It wasn't accepted. For whatever, yeah, it just yeah. wasn't accepted. Um, and now it is. And now every blow job is trying to do, um, mm. trying to do, a, I think I said blow job. <laughs> every did. blow Joe. <laughs> I was like, I didn't what even did realize. I just say? <laughs> uh, every blow Joe is what I was meant to say, um, is doing a daily vlog and all those sorts of things. So I think the progressions that I've gone through with social media and with my career. Um, are only going to help the next generation to teach them and go, hey, this is what I think you should do. And that's what I think my career path is. I don't know yet. Only hindsight will tell. But that's why I feel so okay with whether football happens or not. And I think like, you know, like you are Jackson Edwards and you are building your own career and your story. Like, for example, like Tommy Fury, who just won that massive fight. Like he obviously has a massive brother who is like heavyweight world champion and he has talked about how he felt the pressure of his brother, but he's just out there to make his own story and make his own career for what, you know, talent he has and what he has to offer. And it's like, just once I guess you've let go of that expectation and pressure and all of that, like you're just here to make what you can of your talent and your passion and everything moving forward. And whether it happens or not, you've already done such a good job inspiring young kids. And like, I know you'll do it forever, but like your story is such a good one to tell when I think like, like I always say, you know, the universe will give the toughest battles to the strongest soldiers. And Ooh, I think I like, like that. yeah, your, your battle has not been easy, but you'll forever be able to use it yeah. as your story. Mum does say that as well. Cause I know she says that if like what I've been through was to happen to my brother, Luke, like he would have given up football a little while ago whereas for me i'm like no i'm very mentally fuel and like i'm going to show them that i can do this whereas and it's just different people like Mm. he might not be he's not an all or nothing sort of person and i am so it's just personality trait and yeah i I do agree with that statement or that quote quote of the day yeah i agree so in terms of like moving on from like all of that what do you reckon is your like you're obviously your number one motivator and being just so disciplined because I think people think that like once you've come out of all of that trying to pick yourself up to go back again and go all in like there's a level of discipline that comes into it but I feel like your motivation and drive to be where you want to do is so strong and do you think that that just like takes away from the um sort of being motivated all the time and that that's just your personality at the end of the day like you just have a goal and you want to go all in every single day because I don't think people really understand how much work you do it's honestly above and beyond the normal like um if I guess VFL or a um NSF athlete you do more than they do and what do you reckon drives you to do that 
I just, sorry, I want to add to that. Like I have literally probably other than Lily have never met a more disciplined person. Mm. And obviously I know you're going to say I'm not always motivated, but it does come across that way. But I think you have such a strong why. And I know you'll speak about this, but I've just never met someone so disciplined. Like I thought I was disciplined in Accra until I met this guy. And like, he's motivated me to be more disciplined because I'm like, well, fuck, like, you know, if you don't want, if you want something to happen, it's not going to happen without your action. Hmm. Yeah. I think it, it definitely does. I get, would get a little bit of it from dad and him going through his career, sort of having that environment as such a young kid and learning off different people. Um, Mum played a little bit of sport as well. So there'd probably be some natural, I guess, discipline slash motivation, but this will probably be the wrong thing to say, but one of the bigger ones is to prove people wrong. And I know mm. you shouldn't do it for other people. Um, and I do have other reasons as to why as well, but it definitely does give you a spark. And when you read the TikTok comments of user 1358 <laughs> saying like moving to Southport was probably the worst decision you've ever made. It sort of just goes, okay, well, you have no idea about football and I'll just show you the reason why it was the best decision. So I think that is definitely one of the drivers. And then also just trying to make my parents proud. Like I've never felt like I have been able to do that. Um, So that's sort of just the reason. And I feel like if I stop and if I quit um, that I have let them down and the people that are closest to me around me down, um, and I don't want to be seen as someone that didn't, didn't give it my all. And and I know like for a fact that they don't, none, none, anyone around you would never think that you've let them down purely because they can, we constantly see the work that you're putting in. And regardless if we've agreed with the decision or not, like you're someone who will always put in the work. And it's like when you get to the day where you're like, all right, you know, whether you get drafted or whether you don't, like no one could be more proud than us. And you should feel that as well because every step and battle that you've had to go through has led you to this position that's going to make you a big career because of your discipline and I'm not going to say motivation, but the way you move through things and the way you hold yourself because of the person you are. Yeah, I think just success, achievements, accomplishments have always continue to sort of fueled me and I feel like I would be a failure if I didn't get to where I want to go but in the same sense like I wouldn't feel like a failure if I had given my all and given my everything like if at the end of this year it does or doesn't happen I'd be okay with it Um, Mm. but whereas maybe one or two years ago if I'd stopped then I'd be like I feel like a failure because I know I didn't give it my all I didn't give it the best opportunity to be what it could be. Yeah, I agree. I feel like if you go to achieve something, like there is a better, like let's just give an example. If I came out and won my pro card and I knew that like it honestly, maybe it was like genetics or something or like I did the easy way. Like I just felt like I didn't get there without me trying. It probably wouldn't have felt as good. But knowing that Mm -hmm. I got there by putting in the hard work every single day and ticking the boxes, that part was honestly more rewarding. And that's what it's all about is like, even if I didn't win, I honestly probably still would have felt extremely accomplished within myself because I knew I gave it my all. And there's like two different feelings there as well. And I feel like that's kind of like what's happening to you at the moment is you know you're giving it everything you can. So if it doesn't work out, you're like, well, I did my absolutely best. And if it does, awesome. But it's the process that you're enjoying like more so as well than the destination sometimes yeah i 
I just genuinely enjoy hard work and as mm. weird as it might sound like being put through pain and all that sort of stuff I just enjoy for whatever reason and I think it's because I like I know other people aren't doing it and I know they don't have the same level of discipline and whatever um, to achieve the goal and I just I thrive off that like knowing that someone else can't do it I'm like yeah I'm gonna do it now yeah <laughs> and I think all three of us would happily agree with that and we all do have the same mindset all coming from such an elite athlete background yeah but I think well I knew from, from myself and I'm pretty sure you're very similar Lil but you know my career definitely wasn't easy with injuries and people quitting on me and having to change partners and I missed out on like the national squad three times and every time was like fuck like what more could I take but no one else in my gym had been through that and mm. it was like I knew I was strong enough to get through and I knew one day I was gonna go to worlds and compete on the world stage and it was mm. like if you just like know that and you know you can get through anything like then nothing else really matters if you know you can do it yeah I completely agree like I moved from one club to another and at that point in time like this was probably 10 years ago or so, oh, probably not 10 maybe like eight years ago now is that kind of like what Jackson was saying before like moving clubs was like kind of deemed as bad as such as well and the club that I moved to was the best in Victoria um for cheerleading and it was kind of like I, my club at the moment like that I was in hated that team like outlaws basically they hated them because they won everything pretty much so when they were taking a team to America I was very like oh should I go should I not go because I don't want to make mm. people upset but the second you start making your choices based off other people you're never going to get where to you want to be so I like my mm. parents also like helped me make that decision and I went and moved to outlaws and that completely changed my whole entire like life at that point I still to this day think it has because now it shaped me to the person that I am like who I am now so it's kind of at the end of the day putting aside everyone's judgment the fear of judgment and just like going and doing the damn thing to get to where you want to be too Mm. do you you want to add to that (laughs) (laughs) um two more questions and then we are out of here but what i know obviously your goal is to get drafted this year but what does the rest of the year look like for you yeah i think just making football my priority um and that comes around all the little things as well like sleep for me is a big priority because i know last year i got sick quite a few times and it was because lack of sleep because my work um like career and business output was so high so um yeah footy is number one priority and little things around that um become my number one priority as well but i think everything was sort of aside from that like in terms of business, social media, I'm just trying to put out as much free stuff as possible. And I'm most just kind of like using this year to provide as much value as possible through social media, um, upgrade the quality of content that I'm continuing to do. And every month I've got a project sort of launching on my social media to help uh, kids and help the next generation coming through that want to become AFL or AFLW players. That's don't forget AFLW. Don't forget <laughs> AFLW as I found out in the TikTok comments. Um, <laughs> yeah, so trying to launch a new project every month is one of the goals and continue to put out social media. Uh, TikTok, I want to try and hit 100K followers um, and more so just build a really strong community, which I'm finding you can do very quickly and like people just latch on straight away which is quite cool um and yeah just stay consistent across instagram that's 
I think that those were the two biggest goals. Was I like obviously get drafted, uh, and I said this in a YouTube video. And the next one was just try and be con- as consistent as possible across socials because mm. that's sort of how you build that community. And a, you notice it straight away as soon as you're off for a couple of days or a week. It just yeah, the people that reach out to you and ask questions, um, they sort of start to drop off. And as soon as you come back for a couple of weeks, they're reaching out saying hey what can i do here which is exactly what i want i just want people reaching out engaging with the content um and the rest will take care of itself absolutely um and last one what is your quote to live by quote to live by if you don't say what i'm thinking Um, i'm not going to be happy (laughs) oh i wonder what she's thinking it's definitely not going to be (laughs) what do you no no you have to say it first and then she'll say what she's thinking well, the first one that popped to my mind was something that mum and dad dad said um, when I was real young was the nature correspond. Uh, sorry, he butchered it. No, nah, I butchered it. <laughs> um, we always do. <laughs> the the unit the universe corresponds to the nature of your song. Ooh, mm, okay, like I've that. never heard that. That's what they. I think um, whether it's Esther Hicks or someone about the law of attraction um, used to say that, uh, and yeah, it's sort of. Just like whatever you're sort of putting out and the energy that you give out um, is exactly what, yeah, you're going to get back and attract to your life. Wow, I love that. Love that. Mine was... um, Pulled that one out. Mine was stay fearless. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And stay fearless. Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. Wow. That was a lot. Anything you have to add? That is all. Just follow me on my socials and I'll be happy. Yeah, so where can everyone find you? Uh, Jackson Edwards coaching on both Instagram and TikTok and then just Jackson Edwards on YouTube but that mm. is all amazing well yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed our first ever guest which is really exciting so we are hoping yeah, to bring on privileged yeah privileged. <laughs> we are hoping to bring on more guests in the future as I feel like it's a really good way to engage with other people bring you guys more content as well just not from Tori and I's perspective from a wealth of knowledge so we're very excited for the future with that but other than that anything thank else? you Jackson for joining us today and I just want to finish the episode on saying how proud I am of you. And I know your parents are proud and everyone that knows you is proud. And you just need to know that. Cute. And we all love you. <laughs> love that. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll be back in your ears next week. Bye. See you guys. Stay fearless. <laughs>